All right, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, man, to get to be a part of baptism, people's uh, first step of, of, of obedience after following Jesus in their heart and their soul, that's special. To be a part of commissioning uh, missionaries to go to Honduras, that's just special to be a part of a church who engage in that and people who are willing to receive that call and go on those trips. And then to experience worship like that, man, just great job for worship, amen? And now we're going to open up God's Word. Now we're in a series called Exodus on the Move, that's where we are, Exodus chapter 20, right in the middle of that book. And inside of this series called Exodus on the Move, we're in a mini-series called the Ten Commandments. And it is, it is great stuff. Now, we talked about the reason God gave commandments because he has just liberated a nation of about 2 million people. Uh, and from their deliverance from Egypt until their deliverance into the promised land, they're in what's called the wilderness. And for you and for me, we're in the wilderness between our salvation and our glorification when we go to heaven. And so commandments and rules are good. And they're not given to hurt us or to make our life miserable or difficult. They're given to help us and to protect us. Rules of... Uh, rules of engagement are good. Think about it in the athletic world. If you play basketball, you have to shoot the ball with your hands. If you play soccer, you have to kick the ball with your feet. If you play baseball, you have to hit the ball with a stick. If you play golf, you hunt for your ball in the woods. It's just the rules of engagement. It's what we do, okay? Now, those rules are given to help us. Now, he summed it all up with 10 basic rules, the 10 commandments is what we know them by. We see them in Exodus, we see them in Deuteronomy, and then we see them fulfilled in the New Testament. Jesus came not to abolish or to wipe them out or to say, hey, these commandments are not for you anymore. Jesus dove into them to fulfill them. And when he fulfilled them, he, he amplified them. He concentrated them. He pushed them to a new level in our life. The expectation for you as a follower in Jesus, listen to me, is greater than it was for those of Israel who followed God in the wilderness. The expectation is greater. And so that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to be looking at a different commandment everything changes today the direction or trajectory of the commandments changes today in the ten commandments we've talked about it we've covered four and the first four are on the uh, are on the vertical plane it's our relationship with God and then the following six which we begin today is our horizontal commandments how we deal with each other and so I've been saying we're going to learn these commandments everybody hold up one finger everybody say one God everybody hold up two fingers Everybody say, two's too many. Don't bow to any others. Everybody hold up three fingers. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That makes a double you. Watch what you say about them. Okay? Number four, two fingers on each hand. Cross your fingers. That's the universal sign language for the letter R. Rest and remember. Uh, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now we're on number five. Everybody say five. Put your fingers together and salute. Honor your father and your mother. Why? So you'll live a long time on the earth. Good stuff. Now, it's important that we know these because as we unpack them, we see how incredibly significant they are, not just in the New Testament written about 2,000 years ago, but in your life and in my life today. Tell the person next to you these things are important. Now, rules define the actions needed or required to perform and accomplish a particular objective. And that's what we're going to see today when we see commandment number five. You see, now as God shifts from vertical commandments to horizontal, he launches it from the family unit. You see, the family is vitally important in God's economy. The institution of family came with creation itself. God created a man, Adam, and a woman, Eve. He married them, and they, he said, go and reproduce and, and uh, multiply on the earth. And so the family has been around since earth itself. And God holds it in high esteem. In fact, he uses the family as a type for his kingdom. You see, God is our father. We are his children. We as Christians are the bride of Jesus. The family is important. So if God is going to give us six commandments to help us be, be found obedient and pleasing to him, He's going to launch it from the family because if we get this one right, the rest of them will come a whole lot easier, okay? And so we're going to talk about family today and honoring our parents. Edward Gibbon, he's an author from a couple hundred years ago. He wrote a book based on his research called The Decline and Fall 
of the Roman Empire. In his research, he determined that when the families of Rome failed, the nation of Rome followed. In the Old Testament, you find Nebuchadnezzar taking uh, children from their homes to indoctrinate them and change their, their way of thinking. If we can disturb the family, we can disturb the world. Since that time, literally hundreds of people, groups, and cultures have become extinct. And, and people have studied and researched why they became extinct. And this is what they found out. Based on investigations and research, it has been determined that the number one reason for extinction without exception, the demise began with the failure of the family unit. The family is important. As goes the family, so goes the church, so goes the schools, so goes a nation. And so today we're going to look at this first commandment that we'll see is connected to a promise now, in the Bible, there's a book called Proverbs. Proverbs are wisdom writings, not necessarily promises. However, the word promise can be used interchangeably. It can be wisdom language or it can be actual promises. We, we're going to see today that this commandment comes with a promise at whatever level that is. So commandment number five is the commandment for today. On the back of your life guide, the title of the message is this, honor for life, honor for life. So honor that gives life begins with the right attitude. On the back of your life guide, point number one is attitude. You got to have the right attitude. Now, listen what it says. Let's just read the commandment. Okay, everybody just dial in. Here it is, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that you may live a long time in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. Now, this is not isolated. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, honor your father and your mother just as the Lord your God has commanded you to do so that your days may be extended and that it may go well with you in the land he is about to give you. Parents, you know right now, give me a big amen for that one. That's right. You heard that, students. Okay. I like, I'm going I'm to say it again. Honor your father and your mother so you're going to live a long time in the land God has given you. We just like the sound of that, right? And, and, and there's a reason why we like the sound of it, because we're parents. Now, there's a group of people in here that don't necessarily like the sound of that. Most of them are sitting right down here in the front, okay? We don't like hearing that commandment. And it's not a suggestion, okay? It is a commandment. And, and so... I want you to know Moses didn't just inject this in there because his kids were on his last nerve. It's not like he's on the mountain and he's got four and he's thinking, my kids, what are they doing at home? I'm just going, can I put this in there, God? Can I tell them you said that they need to obey me? No, it didn't work that way. This was from God through Moses to man, to us, to you. And this is rich and it's deep. And so it's not just ammunition for parents to use on their students. And, and their students right now who are thinking, well, I'm gonna hear this all week long now. Not if you wanna honor your parents. They'll leave you alone. Amen, parents? Amen. <laughs> amen. It's the most amen I get. Amen. Okay? So sophisticated. All right. Now, now they're thinking, well, why are you always picking on us? Do the parents not get a commandment? They do. It's next week, thou shalt not murder. Okay? <laughs> So they're not allowed to kill you. Okay, that's good. Count that as a win. Okay, right? So everybody gets a commandment. All right? So today it's talking about honoring our parents. Now, what's sweet about it is the title of the message is called Honor for Life. This thing carries forward, and we're going to see it <clears throat> today. Now, when my parents, uh, when, my, when I was growing up, my parents, they understood this one. Kendra's parents understood this one. And they, they committed themselves to helping us understand this. And, and today I want us to understand it. So I want our students to understand it. I want all of you parents to understand it. I want you to understand that this thing, this idea of honor carries on further and further. And instructions from God like this are not to help, to hurt us. They're to help us. Just like parents come up with com many commandments like uh, don't play with fire. 
Put that stick down before you poke your eye out. Look both ways before you cross the street. Don't stick the fork in the electrical socket. I mean, these are good commandments, right? And God's commandments are good commandments. And when we abide by them, when we live by them, listen, things get better. Not just personally, not just in our home, in our church, in our schools, in our world. Because we begin to align ourselves with God's kingdom agenda. And so the scope of the commandment is bigger than we often think. Commandment number five actually lays the groundwork or the foundation that, that will be a launch pad for every future generation. This commandment provides a tangible beginning to this authoritative submission. Yuck. Two of our most unfavorite words, authority and submission. We don't even like to say them. We sure don't want to apply them. In fact, these two words are required for us as Christians, as people who follow God, to honor authority and to submit to it. And so God knew that when parents teach their children to honor and respect authority at home, it will carry over into every aspect of our life. So when it says to honor your father and your mother, what does that even mean? Because we live in a world who has erased any memory of the idea of honor. We don't even know what it means anymore. And we, we sure have trouble finding people that we want to honor. And along comes God and he says, honor your father and your mother. Well, you don't know my father and my mother, God. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And so what does this word mean? In the Hebrew, the word is kabed, K-A-B-E-D, kabed. It means to give or to apply a weighted value to. So if, if you want to determine how much a precious metal is worth, gold, silver, whatever it is, you weigh it. And based on the weight of it, it determines the value. If you have certain precious stones, its value is determined by its weight. God says, I want you to ascribe a weighted value to your father and your mother. Maybe they don't really weigh that much, but God says, I want you to ascribe a weighted value to them. I want you to call a weighted value into them. I want you to confess it. I want you to live by it. I want you to have in your mind an attitude that says, my father and my mother are valuable. That's what this scripture is talking about. Now, we don't do it. Often what we've done is we failed to teach them the idea of honor. And then today when we look at our culture, we wonder why we have a generation that doesn't want to work. We have a generation often that they just want to play games. They want to pursue hobbies. They no longer want to get a driver's license. I, I, I do not understand that. A driver's license was my keys to freedom. And we have students who don't want to get a driver's license. They'll just let somebody tote them around. And then we wonder why they develop this entitlement mentality. And then they're 30 years old and they're still living at home. It goes back to, to families who aren't teaching biblical principles for life. And if we don't understand these principles for parenting, we don't understand biblical honor, we don't understand respect, it morphs into more of a negotiation parenting process. The negotiation parenting process says, listen, if you will do this for me, I will do this for you. And we create this deal. And 50 years ago, it wasn't that way. 50 years ago, the negotiation was much different. If you do not do this or that, I will do this to you. Not for you, to you, okay? And that's the world we lived in, and it's different. So growing up in my family, I have three brothers. I'm the smallest of our brothers. And growing up, boys had territory wars, right, turf wars. And we had to establish our place, you know, and... And we would fight. We'd start with chatter. And then it would turn into a fight. Sometimes, you know, my dad gave us simple rules. You can't punch in the face. That was his rule. No punching in the face, okay? 
So we didn't punch in the face because he said the rule. Now, here's why we listened to his rule. Because when he would let us fight and argue, there was a place where he would say articulately and loudly, hey, boys, enough. That was it. The fighting ceased. Because in our household, my parents, who were godly, good people, they said what they meant, and they meant what they said. You see, there was no negotiation about us stopping the fight. There was no countdown to launch the discipline. There was no three, no two, no one. The only time out was the time it required for my dad to lunge from his chair and remove his belt out of the belt loops. And seamlessly and flawlessly, like a fluid motion, it was like a Western movie. And he would begin to whip us. And you say, Pastor, you believe in whipping? Maybe. Why do I believe in whipping? Because it's biblical. Wow. Let me show you here what it says in the Bible just for a second. Scripture says, why would you not spank your child? Proverbs 23, 13, do you want them to go to hell? That's what it says. I didn't make that up. Why would you not spank your child? Proverbs 13, 24, do you hate them? Scripture says, Proverbs 29, 15, why would you not spank your child? Do you want your child to be a fool and be unwise? So, yes, I was spanked. And we spanked our girls. And, and sometimes people say, well, preacher, I don't agree with spanking. We don't spank our children, to which most often I think to myself, you didn't have to tell me that. I know your kids. <laughs> Just saying. The Bible tells the truth, okay? We don't have to abide by it, but it tells the truth. We can do what it says or do something otherwise, but it tells the truth. Ultimately, homes with no honor for parental authority create a culture that quite simply needs an attitude adjustment. And that's where we live. And if you don't believe me, find some single mothers and ask them about honor in the home. Find a school teacher and ask them about honor and respect in the school. Uh, find an employer and ask them about honor and respect in the business world. Uh, find a police officer and ask them about honor and respect in the streets. We're in trouble. We're in trouble because we failed to teach honor and respect in the home. That's where it begins. How do I know? Because out of all of the commands that God gave us, and there's 613 in the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books that Moses wrote, okay? And there's many more, but out of all of those, he summed them up into 10. And in those 10, the first one, that he gave us on how to deal with people happens in the home and it has to do with honor and respect. Because God knows, because he knows everything, that if we get honor and respect right in our attitude, it changes the way we approach the other parts of our life and ultimately we find ourselves more obedient to the rest of the commandments. And it's quickly vanishing away. Meanwhile, this beacon shines as a standard that simply says with, with no room for negotiation, no room for debate, no room for questions about its intention. It says, hey, honor your father and your mother so you will live a long time in the land that God's given you. It's really kind of cool. He says, if you'll do this, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to let you live longer and more fully than you would otherwise. It's very clear. Now, now I, I want to be very, I want to be gracious. I want to be merciful. Because some of you don't know your biological parents. Some of you do and wish you didn't. Uh, some of you had awful parents. Some of you had abusive parents. But in this passage, there's no caveat or circumstances for or to do otherwise. It, it doesn't say honor your parents when they're perfect. It doesn't say honor your parents when they accepted the parent of the year award. It doesn't say honor your parent when they give you what you want. It says honor your father and your mother so you'll live a long time in the land that God is giving you. And so God says to value your parents regardless of how good or how bad they are. He says, ascribe weightiness to them. He didn't say you have to admire them. 
He didn't say you have to imitate them. He didn't say you have to worship them. He says you have to kabed. You have to honor them. Now, we're going to talk about what that means today. But to help us, if, if I go to, into a courtroom situation, uh, there's somebody who's going to walk out into that courtroom, who's going to wear a robe and carry a gavel. It will be the judge. It may, may be a man. It may be a woman. But when the judge comes into the room, everybody stands up and they announce the honorary judge. We refer to him as your honor. Now, this guy or this girl, they may be a scoundrel. They may abuse their power. They may make, may make terrible judgments. They may be a terrible human being. But they are the judge. And because of the position alone, not the performance in the position, just the title and the position, we all have to honor that judge. It should be the same in the home. Even though parents are not perfect, even though parents sometimes are awful, God says, give them a weighted value and your days will be long. I want to show you five areas where this is important, that we develop the idea of authoritative submission, that we develop the idea of weighted value of people who are over us. First of all, employment. You should ascribe value to your boss. Now, I know some of y'all have a boss and you think his middle name is Lucifer, okay? But you're supposed to ascribe value to your boss. Scripture says in 1 Peter 2.18, Slaves or employees be subject to your masters with all reverence. Listen, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are perverse. Okay? Not only employment, but also in the church. As people in the church, as members of the local family of God, the local church assembly... You should obey and submit to church leaders. You should stop complaining. You should walk in the advantages of an honoring attitude. Now, that sounds like something a preacher would say. Amen? Matter of fact, I'd, I'd almost just say it again. Make sure you heard it. This is what Scripture says. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls and will give an account for their work. Let them do this with joy and not with complaints. Let them do this with joy and not with complaints. Oh, I didn't mean to read that twice. Uh, for this would be no advantage for you. Not only in the church, but also in government. We need to obey those who have authority over us, like police officers. Obey the police officers and the laws of the land. Don't get a ticket. Don't get beat up. Don't go to jail. Everybody wins. Vote for people that align most with your, with your biblical values and let God handle the rest. Now, I didn't say that. Scripture said that. Here's what it says in Romans 13.1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except by God's appointment. And the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. There's nobody in office that God did not allow. Now, he may not have chosen them himself if he was the only one voting, but he allows sovereignly for people in authority and leadership to be in their place. And lastly, all of that doesn't happen unless it happens well in the home. It all begins in the home. Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and your mother that you may live long, a long time in the land that the Lord God is giving you. So, so when a person develops a proper attitude about authority, about honoring those that, are, are, that have responsibility over us, it carries over from our attitude, which is the condition of our heart, into our actions. And, and somebody can say all day long, I have honor. I'm an honoring person. I, I, I ascribe weighted value to those above me. We can say it all, all day, but if our actions don't demonstrate it, we're lying. It's not really the condition of our heart. As we saw last week, the commandments in the Old Testament, they get amplified in the New Testament. So students, I, we're going to amplify it. Young people, we're going to amplify it. Okay? Old people, we're going to amplify it. We're going to see what this really looks like, what, what the intention 
of the commandment number five was when given to Moses on the mountain 3,500 years ago. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, this is what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Now we've changed from the word honor. Now we're going to dive into the word obey, okay? He's not abolishing the law. He's amplifying. He's fulfilling. He's developing what it means to follow the law. So he says, obey, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, he quotes the Old Testament, which is the first commandment accompanied by a promise, namely this, that it will go well with you and that you will live a long time on the earth. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, it, it, it speaks into it again. It says, children, obey your parents in everything. I know you hated to hear that one. In everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Now, here's what we have to do. We have to figure out who he's talking to and what it is he's talking about. So first, who's the audience? Who is the audience? He says it, one word, children. Well, I know up here in the front, they're thinking, I'm no longer a child. These boys are thinking, I got a little hair on my legs and a half a mustache. That makes me no longer a child, okay? The girls have gone through the change. They're no longer a girl. Now they're a woman, okay? We must be talking about the wing behind the worship center, right? The preschool and the children's wing. That's who he's talking about. Yes, he is. But it doesn't stop there. Who is he talking about? Well, the word children in the Greek is this word, technon. T-E-K-N-O-N, technon. I've never looked that word up, quite honestly, I don't think. If I did, I certainly didn't remember it. Here's what it means. A son or daughter, posterity or descendant or inhabitant. (laughs) There it is. A son or a daughter who still inhabits the home of their parents. You ever heard that growing up? This is my house. These are my rules. That's Bible. That's Bible. If you live with your father and your mother, whether you are 2 or 42, you are to obey your Parents, now, okay, 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 you just threw us under the bus here. What does it mean to obey then? Because we move from honor, which is to ascribe value. What does the word obey mean? That word is hip akuo. We get, the la- we get our word acoustic from that akuo. Okay, acoustic means to tune in and turn up and listen and obey. Do what they say. If you live in their house, you do what they say. This is not rocket science, okay? It it just is what it is. If you live in their house, you do what they say. As long as what they tell you to do does not go against God's law or the laws of man, you are to do what your parents say. Your age, irrelevant. Your gender, irrelevant. Your education, irrelevant. Your opinion, irrelevant. Children, people who still live in the home of their parents are required by God's word to do what their parents tell them to do. You know what that means? That means curfews, chores, and contributions. It means you have to abide by their rules because it's their house. Now, now, what does that mean? It means if if your parents say, be home by 11 o'clock, you need to obey that. If your parents say, you need to take out the trash and feed the dog and clean the bathrooms... And cut the grass today. You you should obey that. If they say, you know, things are expensive and you're expensive, you need to pay us $250 a month because you need to help with the bills around the house. You should obey that. Now listen to me. Some would say, well, that curfew thing is not fair. I'm 38 years old. I shouldn't have to be listening to a curfew. I don't know anybody that's 38 lives with a mom and dad, but if you do, don't say that. Okay. Because quite honestly, whether you're 38 or 8, if you don't like the curfew, your option is move out. And you can stay out all year. Go live under the bridge. Those people don't have watches. Live under the bridge. You can stay out all night. It's a good life. Mondays, we'll show up and give you a hamburger. Okay. Bag of chips. It's good life. Okay. Or maybe you say, well, I'm, I, don't, I do more chores than anybody in the house. Fine, leave. 
You'll do all the chores all by yourself or live in a dump. Or maybe that contribution is, is too high. Well, move out and see what it costs to live elsewhere. Because at the end of the day, here's what a student thinks when, when, when their parents are giving them rules. They say, well, this is not fair. Life is not fair. You read the whole Bible. There's nothing in there that life is supposed to be fair for me or you or anybody else. If you want fair, have children of your own and take them to the fair. That's as close as you'll get. Okay? And there's one coming up in Anderson County here in July, one in September or so in Knox County. Go to the fair. That's your fair. It's what you're going to get. Okay, we are to do what our parents say to do as long as we live in their house. Those commands are motivated for the most part, not out of control, but out of love and concern for you. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's why they put these commands in place. And I know my, I remember a conversation with my mom and dad. And I said, you know what? I don't understand why I have to be home at 11. So-and-so doesn't have to come home till 1. And my parents would say, bad things happen after 11 o'clock. And those people don't love their children as much as we love you. To which I wanted to say, what can I do so you would love me a bit less? Okay? Because I want to stay out till 1 o'clock. Thankfully, they didn't let me. And bad things do happen after 11 o'clock. And so... We raised two girls, Kendra and I did, wonderful girls, okay, and uh, expensive, but wonderful, expensive, but wonderful, and, 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 and we had expectations for them. Now, let me tell you something about expectations. An expectation is no good without an inspection. Without inspection, there can be no expectation. You got to watch them. You got you give them instructions, and then you see how they performed. Now, I didn't have to do that. Because in my house, I have my own resident Sherlock Holmes, Columbo. That'd be Kendra. Kendra was like Columbo the detective at our house. You see, the girls would go out on a date or with friends or whatever it was, and we'd say, we want you to be home at 11 o'clock. And then they'd say, okay, and they would leave, and about 10 o'clock, I'd go to bed and go to sleep. Kendra would go to bed, but she would not be in our bed. She would be in the girls' bed. So when they got home, she knew what time they got home. She had talked to them, see how they're talking. She had look at them, see how they're walking. Smell of them, see how they're smelling. Okay? If she had to, she'd turn the lights on, interrogate just a little bit. I don't know that she ever waterboarded, but she could have. I was asleep. I was asleep downstairs. She might have had the water out, shug a lug, and I don't know. But she was inspecting. You know, you know that's true. I ain't throwing her under the bus. I love her. She... She let me go to sleep. She was going to be Columbo. She had it under control. Sometimes she's still Columbo. But the difference is now they don't have to obey. obey. They're just called to honor us. Now, some would say, some of y'all, if I wouldn't say what I'm getting ready to say, you would leave. I can't believe the pastor and his wife did that. That's like an invasion of their space. Let me be, be real clear. They ain't got no space. My kids had no space. Or the whole space was mine and Kendra's space. Now, we let them use our space free of charge. But they didn't have a space. They, 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 they couldn't lock their doors and keep us out. That's my door and my doorknob. That's my air condition that's on in the room that you say is yours. They had no space. Now, in our space, we loved our daughters unconditionally. We encouraged them. We fed them. We clothed them. We vacationed them. We transported them. We supported them. And we gave them commandments to keep everything and everybody moving in the right direction. And we did, listen, and we didn't expect anything from them that we didn't subscribe to ourselves. We didn't say, you can't do that, and then on the other hand, we're doing it, okay? They were very clean. We, we led by example. We, we, we gave them commandments. Uh, and we had expectations, and then we ex inspected them. And guess what? They're still with us today. They're still in church today. They still love us most of the time. We still love them most of the time. We, we get along great. Uh, and so why should we do that? 
How do I know this is accurate? That even when our parents are not perfect, we should obey them and do what they say. Because who is our greatest role model, our template, our example for living? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was sinless and perfect. And his parents were sinful and imperfect. Listen to what happens in Luke chapter 2, verse 40. I'm going to paraphrase it. So Joseph and Mary and Jesus have gone to Jerusalem for a festival. While they're there, Jesus is a 12-year-old boy. And Jesus goes in the synagogue and starts teaching the sages, the brilliant people, the religious scholars about Scripture. Why? Because John would tell us Jesus was the Word made flesh. Every word that's in this book was Jesus with skin on it. And so Jesus is teaching, and, and he, he's a prodigy. They are, they're an anomaly. They're freaked out by how much this 12-year-old boy knows about Scripture. Well, the festival is over. And Mary and Joseph load the wagon and they head back home to Nazareth. They load all their stuff. They go three days later, or excuse me, a day later they realize, hey, you got Jesus. Now you know parent of the year conversations like this with your spouse. Hey, Kendra would say, Joel, where's Jesus? I thought you had him. She would say, no, I told you to get him, which I never heard. I never heard that. That's what she would say. I told you to get him. Well, I, I, I'm sure he's around here somewhere. Three, listen to me. Three days later, they found Jesus. Three days later, parent of the year. Imperfect people? Oh, yeah. So they show up at the synagogue, and Mary says to Jesus, uh, Jesus, why did you do this to us? Now, Jesus could have easily said, Mother of the Year Award, is that what you're looking for here? Three days, you forgot me. He didn't say that. Jesus could have pulled the Savior of the world trump card. I'm the Savior of the world. I can kind of do what I want to, right? I know I'm just 12, but I'm still God, okay? He didn't do that. He didn't do it. You know what he did? Jesus submitted to imperfect parents. Why? Because he knew Scripture said he's supposed to honor and obey his parents, whether they're perfect or not. Now listen to what happens. Luke chapter 251 then Jesus went down with Mary and Joseph and came to Nazareth and was subject or submissive to them. Now, what's the result of that? This is such an, a beautiful passage. What is the end game of Jesus doing what Scripture says to do in honoring his imperfect mother and father? Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. When we do things God's way, including obeying our imperfect parents at times, the world looks and says, I hold that person in high esteem because they get honor. They get honor. Look at how they obey their parents. They gain respect and they grow in wisdom and stature. So your actions matter. Now, students... Children, we're still talking about children. I'm going to call you children. I, I, I know you're not little children, but that's what Scripture says. And, and, and you'll see in a minute, we're children too. I'm a, I'm a child too. I'm still my mother's child. I'm God's child. Okay, it's, it's not degrading. Why should you honor your father and your mother? Number one, your mother pressed through and endured the curse of the fall of man in the pain of childbirth by getting you to this world. Now, there's people from time to time that'll say, childbirth is the most beautiful thing. Have you ever seen one? Brutal is the word I would use, okay? It's a curse, okay? Had Adam and Eve not sinned, I think childbirth would have been like eating a Twinkie, you know? <laughs> but it's not. Oh, it's agonizing. Your mother's got you here. She didn't throw in the towel. She didn't say, kill that baby and just get, get this over with. She pressed on. She got you here in that, that painful thing called childbirth. Not only that, young people, I want you to know something. Do you know how many times your father and your mother changed your nasty tail? I did the research. You know what the average is? 5,500. 5,500 times they changed your rear end. Okay? And then another 1,000 times before you got fully potty trained. 6,500 times. You owe them at least $6,500 just for that. 
Number three, they washed your clothes, they changed your bed sheets, they fed you, they educated you, took you to church, sat on a hard metal bleacher watching you do whatever you do, and put you in the driver's seat of a car. There's a good reason to honor and obey your parents. And I want you to know this one. Did you know what you cost your mom and dad? You are a, you are a liability, not an asset. Current studies show to have a baby today, raise that child to age 18, the cost is $350,000 per child. <laughs> Some of y'all just thought, we're getting our tubes tied. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't even include college. And fifthly, why should you obey your parents? Because God said, obey your mother and your father, honor them, and you'll live a long time on, the earth, on this land that God's given you. Now, while they were doing all that, what did you do? I made a little list. You pooped all over yourself. You cried when you didn't get your way. You tortured your parents with sleep deprivation. You ruined the sofa and every chair and the, every stitch of carpet in the house by spilling stuff. You beat the fenders off your mama's car and continually complained about how somebody had a better life than you. <laughs> if you're a parent of one of these students, say amen. Amen. Yeah, that's what you did. Now, your parents probably should have shipped you off to the foreign mission field in the fifth grade, but they didn't. They left you, and you're here. And so you should honor them. So attitude matters because that's the condition of our heart. It leads into actions, which is the performance of our life. But thirdly, I'm going to get off you children, <laughs> student children. And I'm going to get on to all of us old children, okay? I am still the child of my mother, Okay, I'm still, a I'm still the child of God. And so I want you to know it's, it doesn't stop with attitudes and actions. It moves to accountability. Accountability. The honor for life goes on as long as we have life and breath in our heart and in our lungs. We have accountability for our parents as they grow older according to Scripture. It doesn't stop. I know you think, when I get 21 or 18 or whatever the number is, I'm out of here and I'm not going to obey my parents. And that's true. You don't have to obey them anymore when you're no longer under their house. But you're still required to honor them. You're still required. And I'm required to honor mine. And so is everyone in here. 1 Timothy chapter 5 <clears throat> says this. Honor widows or widowers who are truly in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should first learn to fulfill their duty toward their own household. And so, I like this, repay their parents what is owed them. I'm going to have to double down on this, make sure my daughters, Caitlin and Kelsey, understand they owe me something. That's what it says right there, what they owe us. Okay. Now it goes on, it says, for this is what pleases God. Adults, you want to please God? Honor your parents. As long as you live, even when they're dead and gone, your life either brings honor or dishonor to your parents. Verse 5, but the widow who is truly in need and completely on her own has set her hope on God and continues in her pleas and prayers night and day. But the one who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Reinforce these commands so that they will be beyond reproach. But if someone does not provide for his own, especially his own family, that means parents, children, siblings in need, that person has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Did you get that? God said you honor those in your family because that pleases God. And if you refuse to... You will be worse than an unbeliever, worse than an infidel. I don't even know what that is. I don't know how you get worse than that, but that's what it says. And so we're supposed to take care of them. Now, again, a great template would be who? Jesus. It's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was on the cross getting ready to die for you and for me. And he looks from the cross and he sees his mother. Now, interesting point. Joseph, his dad, is not in the picture since age 12. And Joseph would have taken care of Mary. Most people believe that Joseph has died somewhere along the line. There's no mention of him, but it's just Mary. 
And here's what happens in John 19. Standing beside Jesus' cross were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, John, standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And then he said to John, his disciple, Look, here is your mother. From that very time, the disciple took her into his own home. Jesus made provision for his mother even in his departure through his sacrifice and his ascension to heaven. Honor says we make them look good even if they are not good. Honor says we're going to honor them when they're looking and when they're not looking. Now, how can we honor our parents? Adults, how can we honor our parents? I, I called my mother, by the way, and I called Kendra's mother, and I said, hey, uh, I'm preaching this message about honor your father and your mother. And I just want to know, do you feel honored or dishonored? Now, they could have lied to me, but they didn't. I don't think they lied to me. They said, we feel very, I feel very honored. You look after us, you check on us, you help us. And so it, it, it felt good to know that they felt that way. We, it's what we're called to do. So how do we honor them? Number one, forgive them. Because none of them perfect and I know there's people in here who don't know your biological parents and some of you know them and wish you didn't some of them are abusive some of them are awful I know that but you have a father above them his name is God and he's perfect some of you have adoptive families that have taken you in and they love on you and help you and nurture you you're to honor them and so forgive all of them were my parents perfect? No, they weren't. Were they amazing? Yes, they were. But they were imperfect. Forgive them. Number two, speak well of them. Don't speak evil of your parents, even if they were evil. It doesn't help you or them. Number three, esteem your parents. Tell them what you appreciate about them. And I know sometimes you got to hunt. You got to look hard to find something that you can say, I appreciate, but find that thing. Even if it's, you gave me life, esteem them with good words. Seek their wisdom, not because they're smarter than you, but because they're further down the line than you. They know something that you don't know, and that's just the truth. And lastly, provide for them. We're obligated to help our parents. Why? It's pleasing to God. It's a demonstration of the condition of your heart and it will affect your longevity on this earth. So we've got to learn, some of us, because we were never taught. We've got to push through the fog of it all. We've got to go to that place that we really don't want to go to. Why? Because God is very clear. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's a commandment to honor our father and our mother so our days will be long in the land that God is giving us the right attitude the right actions and the right accountability is a really big deal and I close with this so God as he orchestrated scripture to be inspired by the Holy Spirit he covers all the bases there's there's nothing in there that we need to know. There's much we don't know that there's not enough paper for him to write. But of all that he told us, he answers a lot of questions. And, and he places the value of this commandment number five in a list. The antithesis of commandment number five makes the cut in another scripture, 2 Timothy 3. Listen to who God includes the disobedient to parents with. He says in 2 Timothy 3, but understand this, that in the last days, difficult times will come for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, 
ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, savage, opposed to what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, loving pleasure rather than loving God. They will maintain the outward appearance of religion but will have repudiated its powers. So avoid people like this. Did you hear that list? And right in the middle of that list is this phrase, disobedient to parents. It's a big deal to God. So what do we do? We repent. That means we change direction, change our mind. We confess it to God. We, we ask for forgiveness and we change our ways. And maybe you're here today and you have not honored your parents. It can begin today. Maybe you never knew how powerful this commandment was. It can start today. And it's not easy. If you've dishonored somebody, it's not easy to start to honor. But you can begin that process through conversations. And it begins with a conversation with God that says, God, I messed this up. And I'm sorry. And I want you to know today, maybe you don't have a relationship with your parents. and Maybe you can't restore that. I want you to know that you have a perfect father in heaven who has a profound desire to walk with you and to be a father to you that maybe you never had. And he's perfect every day and all the time. And maybe you don't know him as your father. It begins when you surrender your life to his son who is Jesus Christ. When you simply say, God, I get it. I'm a mess. I can't fix me. And you're perfect. But in this moment, I feel your invitation into your perfect, amazing, forever family. And so I give all of my brokenness in exchange for all of the perfection of Jesus. I want you to be my father today and forevermore. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a perfect father to us. We thank you for the instructions you've given us through these commands. God, we thank you that we have parents, a father and a mother, who if nothing else gave us life. You sovereignly designed for two DNA chains to come together to create the uniqueness of who we are in your, according to your kingdom purposes. So, God, we thank you for our parents, if for nothing else, for that. God, I pray that on this day we would know no matter how our parents are, we're to give them honor, and we can do that. But we want to say thank you, God, that you are a father to the fatherless. And because of that, you help us honor not just you, but the fathers and mothers in our life. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.